This is everything you want to know about non-clinical careers for physicians. For Third Evolution, I'm your host, Robert Pretty. So here's the question for the day. Is this a good time to leave medical practice for a non-clinical career? I'm often asked just that question. When is the best time for me to make a change to leave clinical practice? Or is this really a good time to be looking for a non-clinical career? Frankly, the best time to change is now, right now. I say this with emphasis for two reasons. First, if you're questioning your practice situation, if you're asking yourself those questions, it means something is wrong. You may be tiring of your call schedule, worn down by reimbursement hassles, or simply feeling that by now, I should be doing more of what I really want to do. Then it's time to change because nothing will get better. I don't say that to be a pessimist, but rather as a realist. If your questioning is more than situational, that, that is, more than just a bad day, but rather you can't really remember the last good day, or often good days are too few to recall, then yes, today is the day to start packing your bags. Part of the question, or questions about change, and the answers relate to context. Medical practice has been failing to meet physicians' expectations for decades. During the past several decades, the practice of medicine and the delivery of healthcare have encountered tremendous structural changes. Most of those changes have been driven by economic factors. Those include changing reimbursement structures, employment versus independent practice models, and the sometimes contradictory interplay among technology, economics, and operational systems. Effectively, the rate of change has been such that the environment that attracted you to medicine is no longer in place when you actually begin practice. Think about that. From the start of your educational years to practice, we've regularly seen substantial variations in reimbursement models, which drive practice models, practice ownership models, and patient expectations. To paraphrase an old friend of mine, he said, I didn't leave medicine, rather, medicine left me. And frankly, that's a very true and astute statement. In today's environment, with COVID-19 as a precursor to what are predicted as ongoing rounds of zoonotically introduced diseases, the medicine and medical environment studied just a few years ago is not what new physicians are seeing as they engage in practice today. Regardless, whether it was the introduction of Medicare, shifts to prospective pricing, the alphabet soup of reimbursement and management structures, or the threat or expectation, depending on your political orientation, of nationalized healthcare, the timeline between education and practice for more than a half a century has always yielded unexpected, unplanned, and often unwanted surprises for physicians. So again, I'm not expressing pessimism, but rather realism based on decades of experience and thousands of physician conversations. If you're feeling this way, one of these ways, or you have some other chief complaint, it has probably been a growing problem or concern. Just like your patients, one sign of a symptom doesn't drive you to run for help. You're experiencing the slow metastasis of a chronic condition. Don't wait for it to become terminal. Unfortunately, I very often receive an initial contact from a physician who, upon follow-up, says, I had a pretty good day today. So the whatever that problem was, well, it wasn't too bad today, and maybe things can get better. But maybe one of my clients said it best. He sent me a note saying, Dear Bob, your prediction is almost prescient. Nearly one year to the day, I'm writing you to once again express my interest in being tested and working on a new career. So, if you think it's time, it is time, 
And while you don't need to call me, you certainly can because yes, I can help you. Regardless, this is a fact. Nothing good changes by chance. And the expectation that your partners will suddenly realize your true value, your billing person will suddenly find the secret to full reimbursement, or your patients will suddenly recognize the value of your time, or perhaps the hospital administration will suddenly realize you're right, or you suddenly start working only a 60-hour week. Well, is even hearing this beginning to sound silly? I'm not saying your practice setting or situation can't improve, but to improve it is also a career transition. Again, a time-consuming process, not an event. But if your practice is not your own, rather one owned by your hospital, a multi-specialty group, or some other entity, then change is actually pretty unlikely. If you do, however, have ownership of your practice, I've written and talked about that process as well. It's called the Physician-Centered Practice. And if you'd like to learn more about it, I have a podcast called Do You Have a Physician-Centered Practice? Or drop me a note and I'll be happy to send you a copy of the original monograph. Regardless, the point is this. If you're unhappy, you need change, and the time to seek change is somewhere along that decision-making spectrum between the onset of symptoms and the realization that they are chronic and they will not self-reverse. Without beating the proverbial dead horse, treat yourself, your career, the way you treat a patient. Diagnose the problem. Create an assessment. Then develop and implement a treatment plan. You deserve no less. Further, Today is the day because making the decision and experiencing the cure are two different things. Again, the patient told to lose 15 pounds can make the decision to be compliant today, but won't see the result for many months. It's the same with your career change. As I repeatedly say, career change or transition, it's a process. It is not an event. You also don't want to jeopardize your current position, and you never want to burn a bridge unnecessarily. Plan your process of departure to allow you time for making contacts. Work to structure your day for some, let's call it career development time. And put systems in place to make your career management easier and more structured. This is all true whether you own your own practice or you're an employee. I know your current experience with practice-based job hunting. You call some recruiters, respond to some ads, send out your CV, and you wait for the phone to ring. This is different. There are no recruiters. You can respond to ads, but you'll likely never get a response. And if you wait for your phone to ring, well, you'll be waiting for a very long time. Now, now the ball is in your court, and it will remain there until you're successful. Success is predicated on an unending series of volleys from your side of the court. So put some structure in place to support the order and process you must have to be efficient and effective in managing your career transition strategy. Create a separate and concise email address and account just for your career development. And you may even want to get a separate cell phone number just for career work. You want business cards that are not your practice business cards. What you are doing is creating separate contact points that separate your current practice from your career development activity. Also, realize you cannot offload any activity to your staff. You need to become your own support staff, and that means keeping good and accurate records. Keep track of correspondence and calls. If you set up a separate email address, then you have all your career correspondence in one place. Build lists of your contacts, and again, if you have a separate phone, you can place all your contacts in one distinct location. 
Then become involved, whether directly or indirectly. Keep yourself informed of issues involving the work you want to be doing. Know the players, the people, the organizations. What's impacting the industry, both from the industry press and the general press? And look for opportunities. Think creatively. Can you find new opportunities from current events or issues that should, but perhaps are not, affecting the industry or companies that interest you? When I say to involve yourself, directly can mean participation in webinars, conferences when they resume, blogs, your own online postings, and various strategies to contact those people you actually do want to work with or for. Indirectly, well, just pay attention, read, study, investigate, but don't just do it and hope you retain the important information. Catalog it, track it, Look for connections and opportunities in the future to say something or meet the right people. Also, don't talk about your plans or your objectives in your current practice. Bluntly, nothing good will happen if other people you're currently working with know you are planning or even wanting to leave. At a more granular level, the actual transition process is predicated on three critical and sequential steps. Step one is diagnostics. You are just like your patients. You can't treat yourself or them without a diagnosis, and you need a diagnosis that will tell you and allow you to tell others what job you want. And I'm not talking about job titles. I'm talking about job functions, the things you want to accomplish and do. As you probably appreciate, your own diagnosis requires some internal conversations, the evolution of your symptoms, that is, analysis of your interests, your skills, and your knowledge to render a desirable and appropriate use of your talents. Step two, that's your planning phase. Step two is when you develop your brand, your resume, your stump speech, get your business cards, your career development only phone, and your email address. Step two is akin to treatment planning. It's setting the stage before you take action. And finally, step three, that's the action step. Step three is taking effective steps and actions that will expose you to those people, businesses, the industry, where you want to work. If that sounds too simple, well, it both is and it isn't. It sounds simple because it's what you do every day with your patients. It's the same process you learned to follow. And anything you do well and do often usually seems simple to you, the doer. However, when you turn the process inward to focus on your chief complaints, it's no longer simple. What can I do with a medical degree other than practice medicine? That's the usual question. Or, I'm working 80 hours a week, how can I look for jobs? Those are certainly reasonable questions, but the answer is the same. Diagnose, assess, and treat. I tell every client and every person who simply calls asking for advice to expect this process of career change or transition to last 9 to 14 months. Assuming you're seeking immediate change and you plan to pursue change aggressively. As an aside, I have a number of clients who've come to me requesting a gradual transition, perhaps a three to five year plan. Interestingly, after two to three months working together and getting a glimpse that a non-clinical career opportunities open to them, they say, let's do it now. I don't want to wait. However, that's your call, not mine. Just don't be surprised if your overall timing changes, compresses, once you immerse yourself in the process. Back to the point, if nine to 14 months seems like a long time, consider this. You're not changing jobs, you're changing careers. 
If you elected to seek or join another medical practice, between tuning up your CV, contacting some physician recruiters, making some contacts, then interviews, and then going through a process of recredentialing yourself, it would easily be a six-month affair. That's six months to simply move your practice. Only doubling that time to actually define what you can and want to do, your diagnosis, define your career accomplishments in such a way as to be attractive, and represent a high value to a potential non-clinical employer, your assessment, and then begin meeting and speaking with people in a completely different career field, your plan, well, that's actually moving rather quickly and aggressively if you stop and think about it. Even if you do want to consider a five-year plan, the time to begin is today. Back to your patient who you told to lose 15 pounds. Would it be easier to lose that weight in 9 to 14 months or with a continuous and methodical process over five years? Well, beginning today simply means that by the time you hit your goal date, you'll likely find that you've achieved your goal by barely even trying. That's the truth. The answer to your question, when is the best time to begin career change? It's now, and that is why. And I've not even spoken to the extraordinary opportunities that arise as a result of the COVID-19 crisis. As one physician who practices in a very large city hospital commented to me recently, he said this, it seems every person who walks through the door is a COVID-19 consultant. That's right, consulting opportunities to address the myriad issues surrounding and treating COVID-19, developing new approaches to PPE, developing new ways to social distance, to reopen the economy, to simply go to the office, the factory, to a meeting, to fly, to travel. All of these areas are struggling to figure out how to do it right, how to do it safe, and how to do it in a way that is economically sustainable. Who better to study, discuss, and answer those questions than you? A physician. Certainly, you can cloud the issue of career change and find what sound like logical ways to procrastinate by looking at the state of the economy, your family obligations, issues of social distancing, the upheaval in the greater healthcare industry, and a host of other issues. However, these are not reasons not to seek change. These are only reasons for you to be more in control of your change, its timing and its focus, and wouldn't it be comforting to feel like finally you're in control? That's why the time to begin, it's now. If you have questions or comments about this podcast or any non-clinical career issue, don't hesitate to contact me directly at 720-339-3585. That's for voice, message, or text. For Third Evolution, this is Robert Pretty. Thank you for listening.